Hello to anyone listening and welcome to another episode of the Tell Talks podcast. Today I'm joined by co-host Millie, one of our junior accounts managers. I'm one of Tell's producers, my name's Jess, and we are joined by the very lovely, very talented Aidan Sadler. Hello, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, my name is Aidan Sadler. I am a cabaret artist. I specialise in singing, stand-up comedianing, and being a professional cry for help. So do you want to tell us a little bit about where you come from and what it is known for in the public eye? Uh, So I'm from a small town in Kent called Gravesend. Um, It's not known for much. Um, I guess it's most famously known for being where Pocahontas died um, after she got stolen by that white man. Oh, lovely. (laughs) (laughs) What's, What's Surrey known for? Um... Probably not a lot, to be fair. It's not very exciting. So. Well, I got I got told off by my mother because, hi mom. <laughs> so the first episode of the, this podcast came out uh, last week. This timeline's a bit funky for anyone that's listening, but the first episode came out last Friday, and my mom wasn't very pleased with the fact that I'd said where where I'm from is known for very little apart from where Carlin's made. So must rephrase. I'm from a nice market town in the south of Derbyshire. <laughs> Um, where they, what, what else have we got? It's the birthplace of Paddy Considine, who is like the second cousin of my best friend from home, which is random, but there we go. Not in trouble anymore. Sorry, mom. Yeah. <laughs> so, Wait, what's, your, what's your town called? What's your town called? Um, Swaddling Coat, Burton on Trent, that sort of area. East Midlands. Swaddling Coat, Burton on Trent. Both sound made up. They may as well be. <laughs> it's a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, truly. So what, there was something that happened in our second year of uni, so what, like two years ago now, where someone's cows got out. And it's not like a particularly farmy place. Uh, so they went through this pub and went through into the beer garden. And it, it, yeah, it made the news. It was all very, yeah, a bit of a fever dream because of being in York now, you hear about what's happening back home and it's just like, how, how is that place real? It's, yeah, all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to start a petition. <laughs> I'm going to start a petition as, as proof that it's not real. Yes. Brilliant. We'll sign it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you uh, do a lot of fringe theatre. So do you want to explain a little bit to the people who are listening about what fringe theatre is? Um, so fringe, uh, I guess, across the world is usually an arts festival where anybody at any level can show off anything that they want to do, whether it be uh, straight theatre, stage work, music, mixed medium performance art, poetry, stand-up comedy. Um, And I've just been sucked into this world. I mean, I debuted last year, so it was my first ever year playing the Fringe game. And my God, is it addictive. (laughs) Yeah. I went one time and I've been itching to go back ever since. I went in 2018, back in the day, back in the normal <laughs> days, the before times. And I was in a, a production of Shakespeare's Titus Andronicus. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Was... Shakespeare always does well. There will always be people to see Shakespeare yeah. Fringe. We did sell quite well because I think the average Fringe audience is like three, isn't it? Something like that. Um, so we did quite well to sell as many as we did, but it, the whole time, I think we were there for 10 days, something like that. It's just an absolute, 
like what, you can't remember what happened I, I got home my parents were like how was it I was like do you know what I couldn't tell you like, I don't know <laughs> yeah it's just everything happens so fast um, it's a whirlwind and it's its own microclimate and you'll you'll go there you'll come home and talk to people and be like what's happened what's changed and they'll be like it's been two weeks obviously nothing and <laughs> you'll you just get it sucked like years. into it yeah, yeah, time operates differently in the fringe, yeah. clearly. Well, yeah. I saw you um, performing uh, last summer and I thought it was it was absolutely brilliant. It was a highlight of my week when I was there. And um, what was it like oh. for you? Sort of how did you feel debuting your show and sort of going into the fringe world? The whole thing was an emotional experience. Because, <laughs> like, you, you have these ideas and, like, we had no idea whether people were going to like this idea that we've had, you know, like, what if we took 80s music and made a, a cabaret show with a through-line story and stand-up comedy? Um, and yeah, I just, I, like, because it was my first time doing it, it was yeah. really nice. It was, it was surreal, really odd. Amazing. How do you feel now you're going to go back and do a lot more this summer then? Are you sort of you know how like pregnant people forget the trauma <laughs> and do it again what an analogy <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's bit so like that it's it's yeah i i've decided to upscale my work this year and i'm just terrified that maybe i shouldn't have like I'm, I'm infinitely confident in my product because I know that my show is, is my baby and I love it to pieces. But it's, yeah, sure. I feel more prepared in some areas and mm. more unprepared in the new grounds that we're trying to break into. It's, it's kind of like we're, we're becoming a, a small fish in a big pond as opposed to the big fish that we were last year. Do, do we get to hear anything about this new ground or is this any, all spoilers? Any teasers? <laughs> um, I guess the new ground is our production values have gone up. No. Mm. Inevitably, yeah. Yeah, I think that's all I, I want to tell you. Yeah, keep them guessing, keep them guessing. And you know, yeah, we're, we'll we'll we're, we're with a bigger yeah. venue this yeah. year, we're, we're in a bigger venue, we're, we're going with the big four this year, so... Yeah, it's, it's all a little bit new and exciting and scary and all of those mm -hmm. words. Yeah, I bet. Brilliant, yeah. Well, me and Millie will be front row. <laughs> yeah. Thank we, you. We, uh, I need, nice need all the help I can today. get. Just... <laughs> we'll be there. Yeah, you'll hear some, like, a horrible, yobbish hollering from the front row and be like, yeah, it's <laughs> them. Right. That's Edinburgh. That's, that's Edinburgh in a nutshell. That could be anyone. <laughs> We'll fit yeah, in perfectly true. then. True, yeah, brilliant. There you go, there you go. <laughs> well, we were pricing it up yesterday, and we were like, right, who else can we drag up there? Because it's so much cheaper the more of you can get up there. And it's like, right, who do we know that we can get to come up for a couple of days? It's going to be a weird group. It is going to be so weird. Bring lots of people. <laughs> yeah. This is the uh, the crossover everyone wanted. Yeah. In, in all our friendship yeah. groups. Yeah. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, Tropicana, about your show? Because my understanding is that you had a little bit of a sellout run somewhere? A little bit of a sellout. Um, yeah. yeah! So, exciting. so it was an idea that I had 
um, in January 2021. Um, I, over the course of the pandemic, suffered from every iteration of every mental health situation that you can have, as a lot of performers did. And I thought, I've got all these bags of trauma now. Why don't I just unleash them on stage under the guise of this is a fun 80s cabaret show. So I, I put it all together and I involved all of my friends that were sort of freelance, either freelance writers, freelance production managers, um, that were still out of work because of the pandemic. Um, took a redundancy package that I'd received from a previous job and just threw it at the thing. Um, <clears throat> we researched and developed it in my living room um, so lots of me trying to map out how big the stage was going to be. It wasn't the size that I'd mapped out. It was much bigger. It was all very Always confusing. the way. <laughs> yeah, say, never is. Yeah. Always the way. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it's it's kind of like, I think one reviewer said that it's like a showcase of who I am. And I think that's probably quite fair because it was me being like, I kind of want to show the world who I am, like introduce myself to the fringe circuit by being well and truly me yeah what a lovely way of, of putting it as well a showcase that is a that debut is so, yeah. So, yeah yeah you picked a heck of a year to debut as well like just coming out of covid when things were still a bit you know a bit dicey and we we it, had but... no idea if it was going on we had absolutely no idea like even up until the week before even on the train up there i was like is this about to be cancelled? Uh, is, is all of this for nothing? Because like everyone was dropping like flies, like the the big four venues cancelled their seasons, and like we showed up and it felt like we were doing something illegal because we were like the only people that were yeah. putting work on yeah. at the time. But obviously it worked out massively in our favour. It was a great year to debut because the reviewers were forced to see us. They had no option. There's nothing else on. Perfect. Grab them while you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really yeah. Hard um, so the show sort of encompasses a lot of eighties music, like you said, and I was just wondering, um, what what draws you to that? What's the sort of inspiration behind bringing that into your work? Is that something you relate to? That kind of music and style. So the new wave movement sort that sort of started in London over the late seventies and early eighties. It's very gender-defying, very dramatic. It was um, really the sort of new romantics and, and that sort of movement uh, that was very underground. And then you had artists like Spandau Ballet and ABC bringing it into the sort of centerfold of culture. Um, it's camp, it's weird, it's dramatic, it's silly. It's, I guess it ticks a lot of boxes for how I identify as a person. Um, and I also think a lot of people see that in me as well. It's kind of like, oh, you were born in the wrong time. I wasn't born in the wrong time. I was born perfectly <laughs> to bring this nostalgia from the 80s back to people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's music that I listen to. It's music that I enjoy and, and the sort of synth wave, 808 drum machines. It's It's all very... It, it all has rhythm, it all has motion, and it's just interesting music to me. 
So how did you come to kind of do what you do? Have you always worked in performance art? Have you, or have you had to work a couple of like, get you tied over sort of jobs in the meantime? Like what's the journey been to sort of where you are now? So I only started, I guess, performing full time when I was 24. Um, I see I, d I never like telling this story because I am writing a whole entire show about it but I used to be a pest controller in in my past I read um, about this on your website yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I you know where I grew up there weren't a huge amount of opportunities for queer cabaret idiots or, or even performers in, in that way so I kind of left school and went into a trade and worked out of a, a van and then I got to 24 and was like oh no I've got all these dreams that I've just kind of been ignoring um, so I quit the job before I even had anything lined up um, and again I mean this this whole industry is built on nepotism um, my friend invited me to a house party and was like really really trying to get me to sing karaoke i said no i'm not gonna sing karaoke i don't want to sing karaoke sung um karaoke classic valerie uh, the amy winehouse cover and this woman comes up to me and she's got got, got the face of somebody who works in the industry um and it's <laughs> like oh I, I run an agency would you uh would you like to join our book and I said, oh, wow. yeah, actually, I, I would. But then I, I tell this story and I usually skip the part where it's like two months of being unemployed and signing on and being all together a little bit sorry for myself. Um, and then I went and worked in the leisure and tourism industry. So I was step clicking to Jersey Boys over in Spain. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was fun. It was it was you kind of get paid quite a nice amount of money for one hour's work a day, with a day off a week in paradise. Like I, going from pest control in Gravesend to Mallorca, <laughs> it was it was a definite improvement. Um, but then obviously over the pandemic, I was like, oh, I'd quite like to actually express myself instead of being these characters, you know. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, that's the abridged version of how I came to, to be in this, in this industry. Yeah, save the rest for the show, definitely. Yeah, yeah. no spoilers. <laughs> there's there's going to be costumes, there's going to be instruments, it's going to be wild, but I'm not giving it to anyone until 2024, because there's quite a lot of preparation <laughs> that is required for it. Yes, yeah. yes, I bet, yes. So it's interesting to hear you say that because I think it's easy to look at people who are, are doing big exciting things and being able to do the things that they want and forget that there is a very unglamorous side to um, freelancing and even just working in, in kind of this industry and like performing and entertainment and stuff. It's not all like getting to make pretty graphics for your marketing materials and like going out and doing shows <laughs> and going for drinks after. Like it's not all that all the time, is it? So because there's a lot of our friends because we we um, finished uni last year um, but a lot of our friends for a couple of months have just that are now freelancers and unfortunately landed in work so it's all turned out for them but we know plenty of people that were just like 
grinding and grinding. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and things have come to them now. But at the time, it's it's hard to see your friends put so much work in and, and be so worthy of jobs. And you just think, why why are people not snapping their hands off? Why are people not snapping these people up? But yeah. I feel like when when you're in it, it's quite embarrassing because I, the, the yeah. problem with freelancing is that you tie so much of your work to yourself. And when yourself is your career, you just start. If, if nobody replies to your emails, you think, "Oh God, I'm I'm not worth anything. Oh, I I should just get mm-hmm. back in the bin from whence I came." Um, <laughs> and you know, even 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 at the level that I'm at now, which I would say I, I'm in quite a comfortable place, I still have those thoughts. I I still wonder if you know I'm I'm if if the world deserves no if if I deserve the work that I'm getting or if I deserve work full stop and it's it's like a vicious cycle because the less you think of yourself the less you present yourself to the people that are giving you work and oh what a car crash really <laughs> well just on that just we were because we were talking earlier about kind of we were talking about the kind of things we wanted to ask and we were thinking about what do you do when your audience isn't as receptive as you would like them to be? Because you're never going to get your perfect audience every time. So have you had those situations where your audience has been a bit not what you would have hoped for? I performed in uh, Oxford on Thursday. And there's a, I don't know if, if either of you remember, uh, or whoever's seen the show, I can't remember. Both of you have seen the show? One of you have seen the show? I've um, seen it, I've not yet. Uh, sorry. <laughs> That's um, right. There's a, a, a VO at the start of the show that's kind of, it's for me to see what kind of audience I'm about to come out to. And it's something along the lines of, are you ready for a night of entertainment? And usually, at least like, five people will woo or they'll clap or we'll just do something and there was nothing Ooh. and it, then it, so the, this little VO thing goes on it's it's only about 20 seconds long it says please welcome to the stage Aiden Sadler nothing absolutely nothing oh, and dear. I just thought this is going to be real quite hard work so I came out there and I see this audience stone-faced as if, you know, I've, I had just interrupted their evening as if they were perfectly happy to be sat in this auditorium staring oh, no. an empty stage as if they were more content being in the lobby. Um, and I just, you know, I, I just adapted the show to the kind of audience that I was performing for. So. You know, there was a, a lady in the front row who I was very grateful for. She's called Julia. We've now got each other on social media. Who <laughs> I just kept stopping the show to have a chat with because she was engaged and That's she brilliant. wanted to be there. So if 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 they don't want it made about them, let's make it about the one person who's there to have a good time. And then it kind of, her energy, and I was very grateful for it, kind of spread across the room where we were all having fun getting to know this woman in the front row. And by the end of the night, sure, they weren't having... It, it wasn't the most crazy uproar applause that I've had, but they were having a better time than when they'd arrived. So it's just about 
kind of feeling the energy of a room and obviously if the energy is like wild and electric it's going to be a great show but if it's not it's just gonna we're gonna tailor it to get us better than nothing <laughs> yeah i bet God. That, that, that must have been hard, it's yeah. brilliant that you can adapt so quickly and just sort of write okay cool we're going to chat to Julia we're going to see how she is we all need a Julia yeah. <laughs> I think that's brilliant <laughs> I, I did say I want to take her on tour with me just pop her in a little suitcase and sit her on the front row she kept launching into these <laughs> monologues about how the audience didn't deserve me and how talented oh. I was it was like oh I really do need this today thank you Julia <laughs> oh, oh bless bless yeah Right, we are heading towards the end of the episode, so now we ask the good stuff. Who would play you in a film about your life? So I'm queer, so I imagine it would probably be somebody straight. Uh, let's bring <laughs> Eddie. Let's bring Eddie Redmayne out of whatever he's in at the moment, because he loves playing a queer. Um, let's let's is, get is him to Moulin do Rouge it. He was uh, in cabaret. cabaret. Now he's in Moulin Rouge. Oh, they can charge uh, more yeah, if yeah. it's got a, a if it's got a celeb in it. So yeah, there's there's accessible theatre for you. <laughs> uh, see also Mike Bartlett's cock that we were speaking about. Uh, this is a show. Oh my really god! Cool. The four hundred pound tickets that they tried to defend. Wild. Absolutely obscene. Yeah. <laughs> and the most ex- the cheapest ones now i think they're about 200 and something pounds so i mean a snip i'll take the whole row but it, it's just ridiculous <laughs> that they can charge that much and then be like theater is not being gate kept and all this it's, it's for like, everyone what are you talking yeah. about it's ridiculous so me and my mum went to see everybody talking about jamie a while ago which is great by the way everyone should go and see it and the in the row we were in we, we bought tickets really early, so we managed to get quite good stalls tickets while they were still a reasonable price. But next to us, there was like five empty seats and there was two blokes sitting um, at the end of them. And we overheard them saying to whoever else they were with, oh yeah, well, we just bought these seven tickets and we were just going to sit wherever was best for you. And we were just like gobsmacked. It was- Wow. It, it, people are just absolutely not something. So I wish I had money. Yeah. Don't we all? Yeah, I'd love to be Yeah, just talking about Jamie, but <laughs> why not? <laughs> yes. So, right, what were the other ones? Uh, right, the the questions we ask each other in the office on a daily basis. I have to really stop myself from saying it's podcast guests because I know it's really jarring. Because we come in in the morning and we'll be like, right, what tubular object would you be? <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> tubular object. Was that tubular, tubular object? object? Yeah, what, so what my answer is, <laughs> right, my answer is, you know when you order a poster and it comes in the cardboard um, cylinders with the two plastic caps on the end? Right, okay, I okay, okay I get what we're really doing. Unhinged behaviour from the content office itself. Yeah. <laughs> what tubular so, yeah, object are yeah, we you know, you know, like, you know, like a nana, a, a nana's garden, you know those little yeah, yeah. Um, hanging things the wind chimes oh yeah 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 yeah. i'd be one of those just chilling out in a nana's garden making nice noises annoying the neighbors oh brilliant yeah great answer what was your answer (laughs) um were you pasta i probably was yeah why not i'll be pasta i'll be oh i didn't even think of food I know, I know. This is the thing. There's a whole world of two tubular yeah. objects out there. You'll be thinking about it for the whole afternoon now. 
You won't be able to stop. I will, I will. <laughs> but I keep meaning to write a list of just all these unhinged questions because there's a list of like five that we for sure ask newcomers. And the first one is always, what role would you be in a medieval village? Um, oh. And then what, what are the other ones? Bard. Absolutely bard. Or jester. I, I think it's so brilliant. Quite yeah. To, yeah. To perform with the risk of you being murdered if they're not in. <laughs> I mean, Oxford, the they would have off. they would have yeah. had me right off. I would have been dead at the end of that one. <laughs> I want to be a farrier, but I bet they didn't have women farriers in medieval times, did they? They didn't have women anything, probably. Yeah, they probably didn't have women actually. I probably wouldn't have existed, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. <laughs> the, the woman that feeds the pigeons or some, someone useless just yeah what, from home alone do you know home alone was only in the 90s it wasn't medieval maybe <laughs> mary poppins feed the birds yeah, that, that's gen z is for you oh my god home alone was in medieval time <laughs> back in the day oh god right we'll round this up before we just before we go too far in the day. yeah right so <laughs> At this point, what would you like to plug um, to our audience? There is a website called AidenSadler.com where you can see whatever I'm up to and when. Um, I have some tour dates. I'm doing the big Edinburgh Fringe at Assembly Blue Room um, the whole month of August at 10.20. Um, but yeah, have a look on my website and you will see where I'm going to be and when. Um, I also have social media at Aidan K. Sadler. Lovely. Thank you very much. So thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you at the Edinburgh Fringe where we will be... Um, we'll be front so row. We'll be sat with Julie on the front row. Yeah, us uh, and Julia. <laughs> bring your tubular objects. Yeah, we will. <laughs> You'll see us and be like, oh my god. Here they come. <laughs> I'd love to see you again. Time. Yes. Um, but until then, um, thank you very much for giving up your time to come and speak to us about your uh, experiences and what's ahead you're heading for in the future. To anyone listening, thank you. I'm looking at the microphone like they're there. <laughs> to anyone that's listening, thank you very much, and we'll speak to you next time. So try for now. Mm-hmm.